This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome one and all to another pulsating edition of the Back of the Nest Match Report. I'm your host, Mike, and I'm joined by Nick Gillard and Cy Pizzi to look back over a night at Selhurst under lights that saw Brighton steal a point. Hello, gentlemen. Have we recovered from the annoyance of the game yesterday or the last minute of the game? Cy, you haven't been on for ages. How are you doing? You're right. It was a real mixed emotion, wasn't it? So for 94 minutes, I was on cloud nine and then total utter despair. As soon as he said, the ref said, though, five minutes, I thought, oh, no, no, this is not good. But I had my COVID booster jab today, and I think that last minute was worse than the side effects I've had since I've had the jab. So I'm still feeling it like everyone else, I think. Okay, well, if you deteriorate during the show, please let us know. <laughs> Nick, have you uh, have you sort of come away from the anger that you had yesterday evening? Yeah, I wasn't really that ang- angry, to be honest. It's it's just football, isn't it? It's shit. It happens. Um, we turned them over last year in much better circumstances. The fact was, they didn't beat us. They didn't go top. That's all I was worried about. Before the game, if you'd offered me one, all I'd have taken it. So, it doesn't matter when they score the goal. It's a bit of a pisser when they do it. But, what can you do? It's football. Yeah, I was persuading myself that last night as well. That uh, one or what I would have taken beforehand as I looked down sadly in my point in the goat house at Norwood Junction. Before we get onto the game, let's just have a quick recap of Palace news this week. The under-23s played Friday night, lost narrowly to West Ham United, watched the game on the Palace player. I thought we played pretty well. Uh, whoever the commentator was was on fire. Um, I didn't get to see the under-18s on Saturday who won 1-0 against Southampton. Mark Bright was the commentator for that and the only conversation in WhatsApp chat was about his commentary. So, uh, assuming that that didn't go down very well. But yeah, the under-23s fought well against West Ham. I think they were unlucky to lose 1-0. The under-18s, did either of you gentlemen watch that game? No, I'll be honest. Great, excellent <laughs> stuff. That is, I missed that one. This is the kind of insight you uh, you come to us for as podcast listeners. Yeah, no worries. And the uh, the Palace women on Sunday lost on the 26th, I think it was, lost 2-1 away against Liverpool, um, which is no, no bad thing really, is it? Let's be honest. 
They got tonks last season by Liverpool, didn't they? So it's progress of, of sorts. I mean, Liverpool, I think they came down the season before last. Uh, they, they've been a strong side. Bit of other news. Yeah. Scott Banks has made this Scotland on the 21 side. Good for him. He's playing in the World Cup qualifier they've got coming up. That's uh, that's exciting stuff. And uh, new to us, just a few minutes for the uh, the pod recording, Palace have rearranged their game with AFC Wimbledon in the Papa John's Trophy. Very annoyingly for me, from the 5th of October to the 26th of October due to international commitments, uh, which is half-term. So those of you looking after your kids in half-term, um, maybe get them to the game. But if you live far away, it is difficult and it probably means I can't go, which is very annoying because I still have not been to Wimbledon's new grounds. I did when, go um, to... A... So when you Carry say on. international commitments, who, who's that? who, who was um, Vieira planning to play then that he can't play no longer? Was he going to get the Ghanaian Prince to play just to give him some shooting practice or something? Or or is there Wimbledon players that are internationals? Let's not forget that Yaroslav Yak is a Poland international and I, I think you should have some yeah. respect. Um, and you did, I did go did, and, Sorry, I was going to say I did go and watch the Sutton United 3-0 hammering and it was dog shit. So there we go. Uh, I don't hold up much chance of them getting any points against Wimbledon. Right, that is uh, Palace news this week. Uh, but I will leave you with a couple of tweets that have come come up in, since the game. Uh, Yannick Balassi, I'm just going to read it. I'm not going to do his voice, but he just wrote just after the Brighton game, man are celebrating the draw like they unlock some new level. Leave it out, lads. Bedtime for most of you. So, yes, let's get on to the game. Nick, you were in the main stand as usual, I presume. Tell me about the atmosphere. Yeah, it was fantastic in the family stand block. Jay, still not selling Palace Ale there. Come on, Parish, sort it out. Um, although they've got draft beer now, which is quite nice. Yeah, it was a really, really good atmosphere. Um, I had a kid not sat next to me before. He looked like Gareth Southgate's little brother. So that amused me for much of the game because he, he really did. I mean, how like old was he and was he wearing a waistcoat? That's the two main questions. No, but he did have a kind of a Gareth Southgate kind of duffly type affair coat, quite fashionable. Um, but I didn't see a waistcoat under the coat, no. But he was definitely gave off the, the Southgate vibe. See, I think Gareth Southgate's got one of those faces where he actually reminds you of a lot of people. No, he didn't look anything like him. I had a mate at school called Elliot May, who everybody looks like him. He looks like Marquis Smith from the fall. He looks like Alan Shearer. He's even looks like Gary Lineker. How can the same bloke look like Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer? I don't know, but Elliot looked like everybody. Luca Likey, I think, was his uh, his character. I think anyway, we're digressing. digressing. We're digressing slightly. Um, presumably, as you live in Leicester, Si, for those uninitiated about your life, um, were you, you weren't at the game. Did you watch it on TV? I watched it on TV. It was fantastic. The atmosphere came in loud and proud and, and actually the commentators and they normally do because we're great all the time but really you know additionally focused on the on the volume of the crowd and literally it was hard to hear the commentators at times and they have obviously special kit to avoid that it was fan, it was really fantastic and I'm, it just made me buzzing to be coming down on Sunday for the Leicester game I can't wait to bring everyone down it was really really truly a, a memorable night it looked like under the lights I think it was the first time under the lights was it for a long time as far as I can remember, ages. Um, are you gonna you gonna blag a lift with Leicester? You're just gonna jump in the jump in their uh, uh, in their coach and get a lift. 
I'm taking my father-in-law, uncle, big Leicester fans down uh, in my tiny Persia 107. So if we don't win, it's going to be a horrible journey home. So I'm fingers crossed we uh, do the business on Sunday. Otherwise, that tiny car is going to be challenging on the way home for sure. Well, I hope you get some petrol. Nick? You don't have to give him a lift back. You know that, don't you? Um, we were, <laughs> yeah. the, at the start, at the start when the players came out, you had that fantastic display in the HF. <laughs> I presume that you were under the flag when all the um, flares were lit and, and whatnot. Well, can you describe what it was like under there for us, please, Mike? Because it, yeah, it looked I mean, quite good. For those that haven't met me, and that's probably most of you, I am fairly tall. So naturally, I was I was one of the people holding it up because um, I'd put my hand up to hold it up and then everyone realised that they couldn't reach it. So I was just standing there, Atlas style, holding it up for my area. And then I saw um, I saw some flares a couple of rows below below me, and I thought, never been prouder, never been prouder. It was it was beautiful, absolutely loved it. Uh, got my voice back for the pods. I was slightly concerned I wouldn't. I mean, you, you knew it was going to be an amazing atmosphere, and um, it took about twenty five minutes of the game for us to even hear the Brighton fans were there. Um, actually, I just want to digress slightly before we uh, before we go into the game. I want to talk about Brighton fans. One particular Brighton fan. I'm not going to give his name. But he he initially had taken to Twitter to have a moan about uh, about Sellers Park. Let me get the words up for you. Selhurst Park is an absolute shithole. It's an absolute dive of a community. The stench is unbearable. The design is beyond tragic. And Josef Fritzl's conquest probably had a better view out of their rooms than we did. Imagine being proud to call that your home. And then he tagged both Brighton and Palace which I think was quite stupid because it led people to uh, do a bit of diving into this guy. And somebody found a tweet from him in 2012. As a United fan, I've got to admit, I love watching Chelsea play when they've got this conviction and confidence. So a Brighton fan, we found actually a United fan. Good work to those people that did some digging. He's now gone private on Twitter. But if that doesn't sum up Brighton fans, I don't know what does. Let us get to the game, though. Um, we're going to so, cover. Sorry, the, the guy lives in Hastings, and he's slagging off Norwood. I'm sorry, but I, I can't be having that, mate. I know you live there, but you know it's double standards, surely. I mean, I don't, I don't live there for choice. I live there because it's fucking cheap. But yes, uh, I mean, it could be double standards. It's quite picturesque on a sunny day. I will say that. But as is Norwood, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Right, a lot of people <laughs> wanted us to talk about Vincent Greater, but we will leave that until the end. Uh, we're going to go over what you guys wanted to talk about, mainly because I was working today and I didn't write the, the uh, show doc properly. So let's start with the uh, discussion on uh, composure on the ball from all players, Nick. I think you wrote that. Talk about what you mean by composure last night, because if we take the ratings on whoscored.com, we actually came off worse than Brighton. I don't know how that's possible, but talk us through it. We just didn't look phased at all. Some of the some of the sort of cushioned headers that uh, Gay did, um, we had players charging at us, and we just pass it, and we weren't bothered. It, we just looked so relaxed. It was like they were thoroughly enjoying the game, um, and they were allowed to express themselves. It's like they they'd had shackles taken off of them, and and they just didn't seem scared at all. It was such a pleasure to watch. It just. They just didn't seem phased at all. And uh, that was the consensus around us. It was just 
we looked like we knew what we were doing and we were full of confidence, especially in the first half. Um, well, I let, haven't let seen me just play like devil's advocate on that. Let me play devil's advocate and say that the reason we bought on the substitutes that we did, the reason Vieira made those decisions was because he was scared towards the end. Maybe so. What, what do you think? What, what did they say on TV about it? They were um, effectively saying that he was short, as you said, he was shoring up. So he was bringing on, quote unquote, the less expressive players to bring some grit back into the team. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because I agree with you, Nick. I, what I was, I had at no point did I have any fear that we would get caught out, that we would that we would lose the ball. We just looked assured and and actually going back and forward with, with such confidence. But you're right, Nick. The, I think maybe the, the rose tinted glasses were coming on a bit because the commentators were focusing on the need to make those subs to shore us up, which was interesting because it's not what I was seeing. So I was I was with you, Nick, but I think as you said, um, Mike, there is an alternative view that perhaps we weren't as strong as we, we all thought we were. I think you're totally right. Composure on the ball. Anderson and Gahi just each game impressed me more and more and they do properly play out from the back. You wanted to talk about his long ball skills. For, for I mean, they, to me, they've got everything. And as much as I've thought that probably Tompkins and Sacco was the best back pairing I can ever remember, I think by the end of the season, I'm going to have changed my mind to these two gents. Anderson, he's just he's a, he's a different level, isn't he? And let's uh, let's give him big props for the fact that he went onto Instagram after the game to voice how pissed off he actually was. Why, what what was it about his long ball game that particularly impressed you, Nick? It's just so accurate. It's just really good at picking out a pass. I think um, Maka played some excellent long balls, and as did Luca. But he just seems to he just seems to see people that nobody else does. And the passing is it's like the players don't have to move to receive the ball. It's it's just so good, and he's. He's so commanding back there. I want to marry him. Is that good? You're talking about defensive partnerships. Um, I'd go back as far as uh, Eric Young and Andy Fawn for brilliant partnerships. And I think Gay and Anderson are going to be as good as them. So I go back a bit further than you, but the older gets amongst us will know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I that's, that's, that's high praise indeed. Um, and I, 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 Think that the, the 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 two left and right backs were pretty damn good as well. I remember Ward pinging a ball off to the left that was absolutely inch perfect. Uh, you wanted to talk about Mitchell, um, about how much running he did. I haven't got stats for the running. If you if you wanted to talk about it, I hope you've gone and looked exactly how many kilometers he did actually run during the game. Um, but yeah, tell me, tell me what worked because I didn't think that we created quite enough, um, and you seemed to think that we did and it came from Mitchell so well the, the how much running did he do was a rhetorical question so that that's what gets me out of that, that that's, one, a, that's a good way so you don't have to actually do any homework that's excellent good work yeah um, no but he seemed to be in the opposition box quite a lot didn't he and overlapping and he and Wilf seem to be getting a really really good understanding um, I've put in the show up. Well, well, let's just mention Ward. You've praised him, and actually I'm going to praise him as well because he's been the escaped goat recently amongst the fans around me. There's always going to be one player that we pick on to have a moan about. Um, but as the game went on, people stopped and thought, actually, he's doing all right here. Um, 
but whether it's him and Ayu that's the problem or or not, um, Mitchell and Wilf have got a brilliant understanding. It's just a bit of a shame that Wilf didn't swap sides as he has done in the past, but that's because he hasn't got a Townsend to swap with. Um, but Mitchell is just coming on leaps and bounds, isn't he? We, every week he seems to get better. And the confidence, not only to take on players, but to put cheeky little balls in, know when to pass, know when to stop, just hold up play, look around before he makes the pass, know when to make the run. Is You're just seeing progression every week. And I'd go as far as to say he's going to be better than one Bissaka. So it's good that he went to Man United. I, Hyperbole, I mean, sorry. Them on either side would be pretty impressive. If we talk about passing accuracy, so Joel Ward had a passing accuracy of 75, Tyrant Mitchell 80, Anderson 80, and then Guy 90, nearly 91. I mean, impressive stats considering there's some long passes there, as you say. And ridiculous amount of passes. They all, they all averaged nearly a touch a minute. Considering Brighton did absolutely sweet FA in our end, in our third for quite a large part of the game, it just shows that they are very comfortable passing around from the back. And um, yeah, it was a very imp- intensive, impressive display. I know that last last pods, even though we lost three 0 it was the, it was the the four four defenders that you really wanted to highlight, Nick. So is it that our defenders are now the key to our attacking? Yeah. You could be right there, um, because they're they're coming forward, aren't they? And they're 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 drawing players out from the centre, and it's giving Gallagher that room to to maraud through. And, and when you look at how Luca and uh, Maka played yesterday, as well, it was just everybody played as a team. Everybody passed really well, and it was almost other than scoring a goal, it was almost a complete performance. I thought so. Yeah, the defenders. Defenders are helping helping the attacking, and we're not sitting back like we did under uh, under Mister Hodgson. That that was the other thing people around me were saying it was, it was just how stifled we must have been over the last few years. All right, we've got the younger squad now, but it's just like watching a completely different team. It's like we've we've changed the team we go and watch. It's that different and that much better. Well, I mean, so we've got fifteen minutes in before we mentioned Roy. Sorry. I mean, starting back, starting right from the back, I mean, Anderson's fantastic. I mean, I was going to say the same thing as you, Nick. I want to marry him. And that's the first person I've said since Kabai's left that I have that level of emotion for. He's fantastic. And when he threw... He's not as good looking as Johan Kabai. Come on now. He's he's got it. Mate, he's got it. And and, you know when he threw that little... I'm not going to mention his name, but when he threw the little toss pot on the floor in the first couple of minutes of the game, that was fantastic. I mean, that for me was one of the highlights of the match, seeing him fall on the floor after Anderson literally picked him up and threw him down. And his long-range passing is just immense. And then every time people write off Joel Ward, Ward he has some sort of reincarnation and he's turned into the to the player who's delivering crosses into the box. He's actually part of the attack, which is I know often has been criticism of him, but also he's actually blocking crosses as well. So never write off Joel Ward. And, and I think Mitchell said himself, didn't he, in his Palace TV interview that, he was he forgot how to attack because that's not what he'd been allowed to focus on and, and it's clearly something Vieira's working on with him. So actually, I mean, the back is, as you said, Mike, the back is setting the tone for the rest of the team and it's really impressive to watch. Joel Ward's a, a lesson for us all that uh, the love of the Lord really does keep on giving. Um, let's, let's all remember that, shall we? 
Uh, the, st- the stats for the game actually quite surprised me. I, I thought we'd had a lot more shots than Brighton. It turns out we'd both had eight, which is less than less than it seemed. Um, I thought we'd had sort of double that. Uh, and a few people commented in various places that I saw this morning from a neutral's perspective that the game was actually crap. So fair enough. Yeah, we had eight shots against their eight. But uh, ours were from open play and theirs tended to be from set pieces. We did definitely give away a fair few fouls. But the one thing one of you wanted to discuss was, are we having trouble scoring from open play? We're creating the chances. What is it that's stopping the goals going in? Is it a short-term thing? Because I think so far this season, you know, we've scored more than perhaps I'd expected from the first half dozen games. So what is it? Is it an issue? Are we making too much of it? I I don't know. It's it's not like um, Edward wasn't getting into positions, but he didn't seem to be able to get many shots away. I I can't put my finger on why it is because we're building up. Maybe we are building up slowly because what I did notice, especially in the first twenty minutes, we had a lot of the possession and a lot of the territorial advantage. Brighton were getting the ball up very very quickly and getting getting a chance away. So we were taking far too long. Maybe we don't have the speed that we used to have. Not sure. Um, I think Simon wants to add to that. I I can't put my finger on why it is, but it does seem that open play scoring seems to be lacking somewhat. I mean, I can't tell you how much we've improved since Watford in the cup away when I sat there and had to watch us dominate the ball and look absolutely impotent in front of goal. So we're a million times better than there. But I think, so the commentators were commenting on the game throughout and saying how good Edward's movement was and how we just weren't finding that vital pass to him. And they were commenting on it. it's going to take a few games for us to be able to you know, get into sync with the rest of the team. So I think that, I think it's improving and I think it'll continue to get better. I'm not worried given what we scored thus far being a lot better than I, I thought it would be. But I genuinely think um, Edward's going to be a sort of 15 to 20 goal striker once he's fully linked in with the rest of the team. Well, let's get on to that. Edward to be replaced by Benteke, to me, didn't seem to work. I think it's been much more effective when Benteke started and Edward's there later on to uh, to deal with some worn down defenders. What was it that changed when Benteke came on? Was it was it purely nerves? The, the, the players seemed very angry. You know, MacArthur ended up fighting old Sanchez after the final whistle. Were they just on edge because it was Brighton? Um, and was Benteke the answer in any way? Because he didn't seem to do a great deal. And I think he was in quite a thankless position. But what, what was it about Edward, start, Edward starting and Benteke taking over that didn't quite work? For me, we went far too direct once Benteke came on. All that nice passing that I thought we would doing from the start of the game just dissipated and we were hitting pinging long balls up to him and we weren't being able to retain the ball up top of the field so for me it was a psychological change when he came on I don't know if it was a tactical change but definitely a psychological change that we were hoofing rather than doing the great passing game that we had for the rest of the game but you were there Nick so I don't know if you recognize that yeah he didn't seem to hit the ground running old Christian did he it takes him a little bit of a bit of time to get into a game I think so to come on as a sub not sure it suits him as a player. I'm really not. Um, 
I did like Kuwati's impact as a sub. His first move was a Kuwati shot, so he had to get in there and, and put one of their players' questions to the ground. But it did impact the way we played. Um, you can see why he's brought him on, because um, he's a defensive forward, isn't he? He will win those headers in the penalty area when we're defending. Um, um, it seems that Vieira thought, right, we're not going to defend from the front anymore we're gonna we're gonna sit back and I think it says a lot about Brighton's fitness that they were still able to keep going at 90 minutes and perhaps that's where we were we were lacking we were we tied ourselves out a little bit and that's why we'd we dropped back when we did but Benteke yeah I don't think he can be an impact sub I really don't got the impression from Vieira's post-match that he reading between the lines he wasn't quite happy with his tactics and I think he's probably learned from that. The fact that we were dispossessed 23 times during the game, I'd love to know how much of that was after the substitutes. But if the, if the long balls were going up, as I said, it's it's probably something to do with the fact that we just couldn't keep hold of it. And that's why we were getting dispossessed so much. Some of it's nerves, of course, but I, I do think he's going to learn a lot from, from that game and perhaps maybe not make quite the same decision again. It just felt to me... And bearing in mind I was about seven points in, standing in the uh, in the singing section, it just felt to me like a bit of a throwback to last season when they came on. And um, I had a, a feeling of dread, albeit uh, I had had some beer and that really, really helped me not get... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. get too worried. What people want us to discuss is Jordan Ayew. So obviously... People always think that the, the solution to a problem is an untested option. And at least say, okay, he was excellent in the championship. So far, he's untested. And I trust Vieira's decision-making in everything he's done so far. Why is it that people like, let's quote you, Paul Nash on Twitter, thank you very much for getting in touch. Why in fuck's name of fuckery is IU still starting? Surely Elise buries that chance. Let's discuss that chance, gents, because I think we know what he's referring to. But more than that, why is Ayu still starting? I will say, Elise, as I say, is slightly untested at the moment, but there are other options. What is it that's making him keep his place? So I start with you. So the commentators throughout the game were saying about how underrated Ayu is and how important his work rate is for the team and how he supports other team. Who, who were the commentators, Evan, just? Oh, I'll, I'll have to find that. It was a uh, bear with me. I'll, I'll, I'll feel as I search. But no, but in essence, they were they were basically saying how how underrated he is and how they think he's a bit of a scapegoat for Palace fans. And and a funny story. I was at work today, and I was you know I've got a Ghanaian team member, and I was about to just she said, well, "What do you think of Are you?" 
And as I was just about to say how awful I thought he was, she was saying he's such a lovely man. Him, his brother and his father, they do so much for the community. And I thought, oh God, how do I, how do I start to say he's absolutely awful now? So um, I had to say, great player, fantastic, because I was put on the spot. But I, I think um, overall, I think Vieira's picking him because of the fact that he will work his socks off. And it's interesting because I don't think it's in keeping. He's showing more of the old Roy tactics and the Andros before he went to Everton tactics rather than what the rest of the team is displaying. But um, I, I don't know why he's starting. I'd start Alise for sure. But, but it seems to be his work rate that's keeping him in the team. Nick, what's your thought? 95% pass success rate. And 37 total passes. 35 more accurate. Um, that's what he does. He... Um, he keeps possession well, doesn't always make the best decisions. I think he's going through a touch of what Benteke went through last season and the season before, and suddenly everybody loved Benteke when he came out the other side. Okay, it's been 756 games before since he scored or assisted. All right, I'm exaggerating a bit there. You know what I mean? But you do get the, the feeling that once he does get one, he'll get more. But the confidence has gone. I've... I've rewatched that shot, that miss, and it's poorly struck, really poorly struck. And Benteke laid it on a plate for him. Nerves, who knows? But should we be getting nervous if you've played that many games in the top league in the country? Perhaps um, Vieira hyped the game up too much because he spent a lot of the time saying how important this game is for the fans. Now, other managers in the past, not just Mr. Rogerson, but people before that, have said they try and downplay that because they don't want that sort of thing happening. I'm just thinking perhaps on this occasion that the occasion might have got to them. You can see how fired up uh, Wilf was at the end when when they scored, couldn't you, how much it meant to him. So I don't know. But I think he's going through, is it golfers call it the jits when they can't score, when they can't put a ball for, for Toffee? I've got a feeling I you might be going through a bit of that, but but looking at his pass pass rate and his accuracy, um, he is important. He's being scapegoated a little bit, but as I've said before on this pod, he's when he was dropped and he came on a sub, he did a lot better when he came on. When he think when when he knows he's uh, not indispensable, then I think he'll improve. Just needs a rest. I think you've raised a really good point about the, the passing. Um, it, it's easy. Obviously, he missed the chance and that's what's in the highlights and that's what sticks in people's brains. And when it's something of that magnitude, it's, it's very easy to dismiss the player as having a poor performance. But those those stats are impressive. I mean, Paul Nash goes on to say that he'd be happy with Raksaki or Banks or literally anyone else, even his nan, who's been dead for 10 years. Um, I, I think you're right. Probably IU needs a rest, but... I, I can never diss the guy named Prince. He's done so much for this club. He's an absolute bargain at whatever he was, 2.4 million. Um, yeah, I, I think it probably is time to give him a game off and I wouldn't be surprised if he is left out for Leicester, but there's a, a place for him on the bench, I'm sure. The next thing in the show, Doc, says that Lewis Dunk is a cunt. Excellent point, whoever put that in there. I, I no, want to bring to the table, though. Yeah, I, I think we probably could have been any of the four of us including yeah. Sam, the producer. But I want to bring to the table Shane Duffy, who is equally a C word. He was clearly so 
wound up by what we were singing yesterday, that when they scored, I have never seen a reaction like it to the HF. Uh, obviously, when Vardy scored that time and he did the Eagle impression, in retrospect, slightly funny, you could see how angry they were. So, end of the game, full-on Lewis Dunks, a sex offender chance, back in there, beautiful. They, all you can do is reply. And they were celebrating, as Balassi said, a one-all draw like they'd won the league. Which sums up Brighton, I think. So I think it was very hard to decide who was the biggest bell end of their team. You're right to pick out more pie. You refuse to use his name, Si, but you're right to pick him out. Who who was the, the, the most annoying Brighton player in the game? One word answer from the both of you, Si. Oh, I hate his name. More pie. Nick. Trust out because he's good. I thought the goalkeeper was uh, was up there as well. Um, he, he, he was squared up to by MacArthur at the end. Very amusing <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah, and I, I just want to finish discussion on the game by uh, talking about our keeper, Guaita. Obviously, absolute legend of a man. And I'll delve into the list in the comment. It's going to go over it the next bit. But just just bring up the comments about uh, about the keeper. Tom... At Tom CPFC, just asked that we discuss him. Um, and Hi, I'm C- C- CD. Sorry, Hi, I'm CD. Has asked, is it time to bring Butland in? Interesting. I actually forgot who our goalkeepers were. Is it time to bring Butland in? I mean, it was a very high-profile miss, a bit like um, I use miss. I thought Guaita had a, a decent enough game other than that. Um, but obviously, what, what what was it like on the TV? You'll, you'll have seen in much more detail than I could see the the uh, the White Horse lane end, lane end from uh, the Homesdale. So, sorry, what was Guaita's game like? It was solid. You know, he was good with his feet. Other than that last-minute aberration, he was absolutely fine. And I know people of our parish have been saying on the WhatsApp chat that it's time for Butland. And I think that's a feeling that's growing amongst the fan base. Others felt he was spending too much time cooking paella at the Speronius. But I, I think other than... What what he you can never spend too minute. much time cooking paella at the Sporoni's ridiculous comment. I know. Whoever said you believe that? that? Can you believe that? Ridiculous but, but comment. I know. I know. I, I think it's a one-off. He he has occasionally made the odd mistake, but he saves us more times and saves points more times than it, it, it costs. And it was just it was such a high-profile game. But no, I mean, I want to have some of that paella. To be honest, and you're right. You, you definitely can't cook too much of it. But no, I keep him. And but there is a growing consensus. I think the growing movement for Butland to come in. Listen, you you get invited over for dinner by by Julian. You take it. You take it. <laughs> That's it. E- even Absolutely. even if Guaita's secretly vegan, he takes down those clams like a man from his paella, and he enjoys it. Ridiculous comments. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> is that a euphemism? Take down those clams like a man. It it may well be. It may well be. And if that's the case, he's even luckier. Uh, but. but Butland, I mean, he wasn't in great form before he moved. Uh, as far as I know, I didn't didn't keep particularly close eye on him in the championship. But is it is it time to swap? I, it, you know, if we we're talking about the defence being solid and being the backbone of the team now, and that that really does involve the goalkeeper and an understanding between the goalkeeper and the and the back two pairing in the middle. Chopping and changing, it's it's tough, isn't it, Nick? It is. There's two thoughts I've got to this. First of all, chopping and changing. Well, they're all going to be in training and they're all going to be training the same way, aren't they? So, Butland is going to be used to playing and that's 
that system. I imagine that they swap over who which keeper goes with which de- defensive partnership pairing in training sessions for for the occasions when the keeper has got to change or if the defence does have to change so they're used to each other. Um, with the guides, I think I thought he had a brilliant match yesterday, apart from that one mistake. Um, that's the thing with keepers, isn't it? You make a mistake and you can be really, really punished for it, um, but you can have a brilliant match otherwise. Look, if if he's taken out and Butland comes in, it's going to mean one of two things. It's going to... Butland might be, might be brilliant, but think about Gaeta. How's that going to affect his confidence in the next game? Is he going to be too scared to make a mistake because he doesn't want to be dropped again? Which will mean he'll make more mistakes. Or, I don't know, it's, it's the whole psychology of the thing, but don't come down on hard on him because he's actually really getting into the new way that we're playing. Again, people around me, he was assured and calm when he was passing the ball around the back as well. He looked totally relaxed. Even when um, Brighton players were pressed right up to the six-yard area and he had the ball at his feet, he wasn't bothered. He just casually played it, pointing in one direction, passing it in the other. He was a lot more confident on crosses. I thought he caught a lot more yesterday than he usually does. Um, he got onto the ball. It was one bad kick. Now, whether he slipped or not, OK, it's a bad kick. But there were also three defenders that didn't chase more payback, wasn't there? So it's not just him. So the fault, although the kick was shit, the fault also lies with the defence. So I think people are being a bit harsh. Keep him there and let him enjoy more clams. You, you, you're right to bring up the psychology. He clearly has the right psychology for a goalkeeper. Um, you have to be slightly unhinged, I think, to be a, a very successful goalkeeper. He has it. And I'm, I'm not sure that um, being dropped would would phase him in the same way as it maybe did for Hennessy, for example. But I just can't see an argument for Butland being head and shoulders above Guaita in terms of in terms of talent. He's the best keeper I've ever seen at Palace in terms of technical skills. He might, you know, he's not going to replace Spironi in people's hearts, but he is a step above the majority of keepers we've ever seen. Obviously, apart from Kalinko, who is still my number one in my heart. Uh, let's not forget Remy John Matthews Jackson. as well. Yeah, let, let's not forget Remy Matthews, who, um, with the might of Yaroslav Yak in front of him against Sutton United, was absolutely dog shit. It's all right. about Fraser Digsby for me. Fraser Digsby, excellent. Well, this is this is an excellent, <laughs> an excellent talk down memory lane. Let's not forget the uh, the great man in his grey sweatpants as well. Right. We'll have a quick break and we'll come back with some listener feedback. Get your dis- get your thoughts on some points people have raised, gentlemen. After this, Alexa, play back of the nest podcast. Playing back of the nest, CPFC podcast from Amazon Music. Back of the nest now on your Alexa device and Amazon Music. Thank you for that beautiful ad break, Sam. Very kind of you, producer Sam. Working overtime in her pajamas today. Good stuff. Right, let's let's have some listener feedback. Thank you very much for getting in touch, whoever did. Obviously, some of you probably write after we've recorded the pods, but um, we try and cover everything. We certainly read everything we possibly can, and even the ones that have come in after after we've recorded the pods often shape our next one. So keep them coming in. It's and it's just nice to know that somebody's listening. Really, let's start with Elijah at here for the ops. 
What's the reason for managers to not start particular players over clearly inferior players? I'm curious. Interesting to know who you're thinking of there, Elijah. Sorry, uh, who do you think Elijah's referring to and what is the thought? I think he's probably referring to the Ghanaian Prince. And what, what, what I would say is you've got to trust the process, haven't you? And I, I think in Vieira we trust. And if you start in the Ghanaian Prince, that's because he thinks he adds something to the game that others don't. So I think we've just got to trust Vieira's decision-making. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Uh, Nick, is there anyone else you think he's referring to there? I mean, I'd love to see Nathaniel Klein in, but it's, it's hard to justify him to going in, in above Ward at the moment. I just think I'd just love Nathaniel Klein. No, because it's been, as I've said over the past few games, even against Liverpool, it's hard to, hard to pick a man in a match because they've all been pretty good. Uh, we've had a few misplaced passes here and there. Gay's made the odd mistake, misplaced pass, so has Ward... I is, I is Mr. Sitter. Uh, Benteke maybe could have scored a couple more. We could have a go at Edward for not scoring yesterday against Brighton. We could have a go at Will for perhaps keeping the ball a bit too much. I mean, they've, they've all got their little foibles, but I think he's putting the best team out that he can. I mean, I, I can't wait to see uh, Hughes because um, I'm sure he'd, he'd have done well in there yesterday, but... The players that are out there are all doing well enough, I think. It's when they start getting tired, you need to start replacing them. And we're not getting to that point of the season where they're playing a lot of games at once. So, yeah, as he said, trust the We're already trust out of the League Cup, so that's OK as well. Yes. We're still in the Papa John's Trophy. Yes, uh, absolutely. And I look forward to the trip away to Portsmouth as well. Right, let's get on to the next bit of feedback from uh, the ever-present Andy the Twat. I got the understanding of bringing both Benteke and Coate. I mean, I didn't. This this is Andy speaking, not myself, obviously. So when I say I, this is Andy, yes. I got the understanding of bringing both Benteke and Coate on as Brighton started pumping long high balls in. But what killed us was the lack of pressing once Edward came off. He worked his socks off. Now, that probably brings back to what you were mentioning, Si, about the work rate that the uh, the commentators who are still nameless mentioned. But um, do you think that's lesson learned? He's used the word killed us there. Um, I, I think it's if, lesson if learned. The answer to, yeah, if, if the answer yeah, to, right. to, to pumping high long balls in is to um, is to, to mess with the front three, that, that seems a little bit strange to me. But yeah, your thoughts? No, I think you're right. Uh, spot on. I think, uh, and the commentators, commentators, nameless, uh, identified that as well. I can't find them. I've been, I've been trying to find them, but no, I, I, I know. I also think the question from Andy the Twat is is uh, spot on as ever. It, it was a complete change in philosophy and psychology when those players were swapped, and I, and I, I don't think that'll be a Vieira thing. I think that would just be a nerves and I think uh, Nick said earlier nerves of the players, but definitely something changed when they came on, and I hope it's just a one off because. You know, I think Benteke's got a big part to play in the season and I, I hope it, it's not a... I, I, yeah, I hope it's not a thing for the future. I hope it's just a one-off, the nerves of the of the, of the the occasion. What I would say is I think we're, we're slightly scarred by the last, say, season, two seasons and we associate these players that he brought on with an era that really affected some of us mentally being able to enjoy football. And so... I think it's it's up to us to just sort of disassociate these memories we have with how the players are going to perform now because they're you know they're totally different. Townsend talks about going to Everton and he, he said something along the lines of the last four or five years he learned how to defend and now he's reminded himself how to attack. 
these players are going to be doing something very different for Vieira. We need to remember that. But Luis Adam Garcia did write in as a reply to uh, to Andy the Twat and said Benteke wasn't challenging aerially. We did only win 11 aerial challenges against Brighton's 15. What I will say is it's a freak game in that their their back three are they're an average of about six foot five, aren't they? They're absolutely enormous. So you, you've got Duffy, Dunk, and then Byrne, who's what about seven foot two. Um, like dinosaurs, and enormous guys with very, very small brains, presumably. But um, yes, I, I, I mean, it's hard to win aerial battles with somebody that's half a foot taller than you, isn't it, surely? Can I um, add something in there to, to do with uh, Andy the Twat 1992's question? Um, yeah. He's saying that he understands why he's brought them both on. Isn't it great that we've got a manager that is bringing players on to change the style of how we're playing rather than just having more of the fucking same no matter what's happening. So you, you can see you can see that um PV's trying to affect affect change and change the way the game's going. So all right, it's it's a plan B to defend, not a plan B to try and chase the game back. And look, I'll say it again, it was a it was a freak mistake by the goal at the end. Um they should they didn't deserve well perhaps looking at the stats they did deserve to to get a draw against us but it was only that last bit in the last minute of the game that cost us that will be the lesson learned and I think people are going a bit mad because it is bright and they are you know we do hate them uh let's be don't... honest Neil Mopai doesn't deserve a point a point he deserves to uh, to rot in the depths of hell uh he certainly <laughs> doesn't deserve to get anything from us Richard Waters. Thank you. I would have thought his own mother agrees with him when she really thinks about it. I think Ayu is starting because he protects Ward. Ward, he got turned around by Welbeck early doors. I mean, Welbeck did look very good, to be fair. And Ayu took a lot of that heat off for the rest of the match. Not sure Elise has the experience to have done the same. That is a really interesting point for from Richard Waters. I think, Sai, if we go with you there, because obviously you're watching it from a, a much wider perspective than... Either me or Nick could see the game. So, so definitely, I, th- I think Ayu is in there for his defensive game, which is the thing that's a bit of a quandary for me because I can't work out why he's there given the rest of the philosophy of the team. But he's definitely there for that. And it might be because of Ward. And that's a, not, not a bad shout, but he's definitely there for his defensive qualities, which they did they did do a good job on Welbeck after that first moment. I, I, you're right, he was turned right at the beginning, but they did manage it well afterwards. And there's no way, Nick, they deserved a point. Even... I can't do a Scouse accent, but I, you know, I, I, if I could, I would. Even Jamie Carragher at the end of the game was saying that Brighton did not deserve anything from the game and Palace were by far the better team. And if he's saying it, then I think we definitely can, uh, can take that as, a, as a, a compliment and a fact. In my defence, I did say looking at the stats, it looks like they, did a, they deserved a point. I didn't, I didn't actually say they did deserve a point. So um, can I come in there, Mike? Just on, the, on the whole live thing, we've got a left back, right back, full back in Jeffrey Schlupp that can um, that can cover and possibly help um, Wardy out there. So um, I don't think it's just about Elise there because uh, Schlupp is also a winger and a full back and and can can do that role. So yeah, how comfortable is Schlupp on the right? Yeah, um, well, he was played out of position quite a lot under um, a previous manager whose name apparently I'm not going to mention anymore. Um, I don't know, but Wilf can play on the right and Schlupp can play on the left. 
You know, it's easy. Wolf can play on both sides. So, you know, Wolf's, Wolf's how, how many years has Wolf been there? We were trying to work it out last night. Is it something like 27 now? It's been it's there a long time. It's his testimonial year this season. So um, 10 years. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it's just about Elise. Um, I really think Elise is coming back from an injury um, and PV and his management team and training team don't want it, don't want a lack of him. They don't want another Ferguson. They don't want uh, another um, Operation Wickham, do they? So they're, they're easing him in gently. And when you think about it, where are the other teams down? If if you've had a hard game against the Palace team that's pressed all the time, and you've got somebody like Elise, who you don't really know yet because he's an unknown quantity in the Premier League, and he starts doing that, those sort of runs to you, uh, it's a good thing to have to bring on. Well, we'll just, we'll just end with a comment from Paul Nash saying that it, this debate comes back to the often had argument about whether Aris Hacker should provide defensive cover. He said, much as I love Ward, I think Klein should be playing. He's simply a better player or at least has greater pace and so doesn't need as much protection. Yeah, I, I think uh, we'll find out what Vieira, what Vieira thinks once he's seen everyone play. Simple as that. Klein's had to, as you say, slowly get back fit um, as much as the others. So I'm sure we'll see him tinker a little bit. Albeit we've we've only really got the FA Cup outside of the league to do that. Plenty of others have you got in touch, including Keith Powell and Pethos, wanted to both discuss the goalkeeping position. I hope that we have discussed what you wanted to discuss there or thereabouts, everyone that got in touch. So let's leave it there. I want to thank Nick and Sai very much for joining me for this. Uh, and more than that, I'd love to thank Sam for producing. Thanks to everyone who got in touch. Um, whether we use your message or not, it, it's just so helpful. Please like, follow, subscribe to our social media accounts, especially the YouTube channel. Uh, I think even now, at this very second we record this pod, Dio and the gang are doing another show on YouTube. It's, it's, a, it's a whole new world that's opened up for us. So if you find us irritating, go and listen to Dio instead. He probably makes better points <laughs> than we do. Um, so the preview team will be back. We've got Leicester on Sunday so they'll be back in a couple of days with a preview for that two home, two home games in a row so that's good stuff we'll be back to review that probably Monday after the game thanks very much for listening and until next time come on you Palace it's the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.